0: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Flatiger. And I'm your other co-host, Anthony Michael Cole. And we are without Frank Lewandowski today, but that's all right. And we have a very special guest today. He is the mayor of Avondale, Mayor Kenneth Wise. I'm so excited about today's episode. I've never talked to a mayor. Yeah. Just one-on-one. What's better than, what's a better power move than being the mayor, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's just like. Ultimate move. I'm just like, you know, the mini king of this town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so we kind of wanted to, uh, this is Anthony's idea, because we're getting all these local AZ people, we're getting a mayor, um, we're going to be talking to more people in, you know, city government and stuff. And we thought, what better than to tie all this together than to say that this is the uh, getting to know AZ kind of segment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start a new segment uh, called Getting to Know AZ. And so, uh, of course, we're, we've we already got a couple of mayors that we're going to be meeting with. Uh, we're also going to be meeting with some local uh, breweries, um, cigar shops, uh, little wineries, and some sommeliers. Uh, so that way you can just really get to know. So that way people here in Arizona, they can get to learn more about their their own town, their own city, their own state. And then also people uh, out of state, can uh, when they come to Arizona, can be like, oh, Oh yeah, I remember hearing this place and it sounds so good. Or I remember hearing about this mayor and he just seems so cool.
0: You know? Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited about this segment. Me too. Should we? uh, Should we call in the good mayor? Get me the mayor. Get us the mayor. Put him on the phone. I want to say that once. <laughs> Hopefully we become friends. I'm like oh, I'm yeah. in Avondale and something happens. I'm like, "Get me the mayor. Get me the mayor. This stop sign fell over." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. "Get me the mayor. I'm at a Taco Bell. Get <laughs> me the mayor. Get <laughs> me the mayor.
1: This long <laughs> what the heck? You
0: forgot my order again, Taco Bell." <laughs> "Get me the mayor." All right. Let's uh let's call the mayor. All right. Here we go. Uh
1: you want to kind of introduce yourself.
2: You know, Ken Weiss, mayor of Avondale. Father of two, husband uh, Star Trek geek,
1: and car aficionado. Yeah, I, I love, uh, I was I was a fan of Star Trek since the time I was like one years old. In fact, that was one of the only ways that if people were babysitting me when I was one, if they wanted me to stop crying, they played the Star Trek theme song. So it's engraved in my blood to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah, that's
2: awesome. You know, you get the Star Trek people and you get the Star Wars people. And, uh, I've been always more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars
0: guy, so that's cool. Ooh, yeah. Me, on the other hand, though, I, I might be a little bit more of a Star Wars fan, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll let that one go. <laughs> yeah, we won't,
2: um, we, won't, we won't argue. That's
0: okay. Yeah. So one of the things uh, on the our podcast, the Just a Couple Dudes podcast, we really like to promote good men, um, fathers, you know, just, just kind of like we feel like there's not quite the same amount of voice just for men and masculinity manhood and whatnot. so we try to find good examples of that and obviously you're in a position of leadership you said you're a father you're a husband and so we just I just want to say thank you for becoming available and then saying yes to come on to the the podcast
2: no guys I'm really I'm like glad I could it's my first podcast uh, be gentle with
0: me I wanted to I also
1: wanted to let you know too so we're we're starting a new segment called uh, Just a Couple Dudes that's the name of our podcast Getting to Know AZ so that's part of the reason uh, we reached out to you just so people Whether you're in the state of Arizona already, or whether you're out of state, can kind of get to know uh, different towns, different cities, different restaurants, bars. You know, that's why we reach out to you. So we'll we'll be talking about a lot of different things. uh, But definitely the part that Eric brought up about you know you being a father and having a of uh, a leadership role in the community is something we'll definitely like to address. So that way, I just wanted to let you know, like some of the things we'll be
0: talking about today. We're we're excited about it here. Um. So just to kind of start, I mean, you're the mayor of. Avondale. What was, what kind of prompted you to get into a job like that? That's not an everyday job people have. You know, there's not very many of those types of jobs. I mean, you only have one per city, right? So uh, what kind of prompted you to get into that?
2: So ideally, I, I, I never wanted to be mayor. You know, I've been on city council since 2006. I've always been a political person and not the ugly side of federal politics that we hear about every day, but the local side where things actually get done and government is responsive to its residents. And In 2006, there was an opening on Avondale City Council. I applied for it with 10 other people, and council selected me and went from there. And then I was on council for two years, as appointed. I ran uh, for a four-year term, got elected, ran again for a four-year term, and about halfway through that term, the former mayor of Avondale resigned. Uh, she, She was appointed to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. And this kind of goes to your question of you know what made me decide to be mayor. At that point, city charter says that the council will select uh, a mayor. I work a full time job. I've always worked a full time job besides city council, and I wasn't really looking to be mayor. And the mayor at the time, and then the vice mayor came and said, "You really need to be mayor. You'd be great at it." And I said, you "Guys, I, I work sixty five hours a week right now as it is, and I just don't. I can't give it my heart and soul." And I thought about it for a couple of weeks. I came home and talked to my wife and talked to my daughters and. Um, they were behind me and they said, you know, whatever we need to do to to help you in this, we'll do it. I put my name in council, selected me unanimously. I was appointed for two years. I ran for four years, got elected, and I, I just turned in my petitions last week to run for my final term and I'm running on a post.
0: Oh, wow. Man,
1: that's awesome. And I got to say, so uh, one thing I've learned, you know, uh, we're, we're both young men is that, you know, you like you said, you know, I've already worked 65 hours a week. It's crazy when you really apply yourself you can find more time to do these crazy things that like what you just said to be a mayor. And, uh, I just wanted to commend you for it. That's awesome that, uh, it shows that you have a lot of work ethic and a, a lot of passion. And, uh, of course, like you said, you, uh, you address your family and we find that very important that, you know, you talk to your wife about it, you know, how, how can I balance a work life, mayor life and family life. And I want to say that's awesome that you did that. I, I do, I do have a question. And I, and the question is, uh, we, we've done a lot of research into mayors and, and to you as well. Uh, but for our listeners, I think there's a lot of people that really don't even know what a mayor does. Do you mind kind of going into that a little bit? Sure. So
2: the mayors that you see in Arizona and a lot of Western cities, their responsibilities are different than what you see on the East Coast. So you see the mayors of Chicago and New York and Boston, and you see them really, they are the, they're the—they're at the forefront of their cities. In Western cities, we really do a city council, city manager type of leadership style. So what that means is that the mayor and the city council set the policies for the city. They set the vision. They approve the budget. They they do a lot of those things. But we hire professionals, the city manager and their staff, to run the day-to-day operations of the city. And that's why I can work a full-time job. For me, being mayor was never meant to be a full-time job. I think you need to be out in the private sector, working, earning a paycheck, going to work every day to really understand what residents go through, what the day-to-day things are. I think people who survive off of government as a full-time basis, not everyone, I I think they lose track and they lose contact with what the residents go through. So for me, on a day-to-day basis, You know, we have our city council meetings twice a month. We have work sessions uh, maybe another one or two times a month. I get emails throughout the day, um, sit on different committees regionally. So I sit on a transportation committee, I sit on an executive committee, and then I sit on the Greater Phoenix Economic Council Board of Directors. On a day-to-day basis, I'll be in contact with the city manager. They'll be updating me on what what's going on with the city, especially with COVID nineteen. I mean, those are those if they're not daily day-to-day phone calls, there's text messages and emails and things that are going back and forth. I'm the kind of the face and the voice for the city, but I do it with my city council. I have six other city councilors that are incredible to work for. We care about each other. We don't have the same ego issues that some other cities have, and, and honestly, we. We text each other, "Hey, what's going on with your family? How you guys doing?" That makes it much easier to
0: be mayor. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when I was doing some research, just looking you up, I noticed that you worked a full time job, and I was confused because I was like, "Oh, I just thought the mayor like that was his job." But that's really interesting. And then on top of that, I, I was going to ask an, another follow up question: Would you know during this whole pandemic, during all this coronavirus, COVID nineteen type stuff, how? close in talks are you with other mayors other cities
2: actually quite a bit you know I sit on a regional council that is that met yesterday and there was all the mayors from the uh, phoenix metro area so we kind of went over different responses that have been happening what's going on with the federal government we didn't get into details about our own cities I will tell you that the west valley cities as a whole get along really well so the west side cities get together once a month we haven't done it for the last month because of the COVID. we get together once a month for dinner we talk about our cities we talk about what's happening we talk about what things on a regional basis we need to address uh, i i was watching the peoria city council uh, two nights ago i think it was two nights ago today's thursday so tuesday night i believe it was i had watched the city of surprise city council meeting and then messaged the mayors after that so we stay pretty involved with which, what, uh, what uh, each mayor is doing, and then we'll text throughout the week or call just to see what's going on in the city. So. There is an ongoing dialogue between the West Valley mayors
0: and, the, and, and each other. Oh, nice. That's good to hear. Anthony, Do you have a follow-up?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, too, uh, how cool it was that, you know, I, I could tell that by you saying you work this full-time job, you know, I feel like you can better represent the people by being one of the people. And uh, that's actually here at Just a Couple Dudes, uh, why we wanted to reach out to mayor specifically is because we felt like you were better conne- connected with the community. Then, you know, not to say, you know, governors and presidents are aren't, you know, and senators and all that. The mayors really know their town. They know their city. And uh, and uh, so I, that's why we reached out to y'all. I, I did want to kind of, just to people to get to know you a little better, what is it that you do full-time?
2: Well, I work for a company called Illumination. I've been there since January. I had worked for the Wigwam for four years. So I handled all the corporate government sales for the Wigwam. And then I had an opportunity to go work for a new company called reillumination And we go into warehousing and logistics centers in big factories and smaller factories and redo all their lighting convert all that to energy efficient lighting so it is a brand new learning curve I've been on the job for four months and I love it and I love the team that I work with they're really good people and it's a small company it's 13 people but we cover the entire United States yeah it's been eye-opening just uh just the difference that a smaller company has you know it's It's like if you come from a small family or a big family, this is like a small family to me. It's 13 people. We're really close. We talk to each other every day. We're on Zoom. We're on Slack. We're sending silly pictures at the end of the day. It's a very cool vibe.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's what um, I've really noticed with smaller smaller entities and smaller companies, you know, I work in education, uh, I actually work for, you know, a charter school system, or we're a pretty, actually, big company, but our school is a small school, so we're real tight-knit, and I just have always really appreciated that, that smaller, you know, whether it's a small business kind of vibe, um, there's actually a lot of small businesses throughout Arizona and the Peoria area that we're trying to reach out to as well, um, to come on the podcast, that are just family-owned breweries and stuff like that, because we're kind of, what we're trying to do especially with talking with you and some other um, city council and and other people in the city government. We want to do a whole segment kind of like, getting to know AZ, getting to know Arizona, you know, and and who better to talk to than the people who literally run our cities.
1: Yeah. So I wanted, if if there's anything specific to Avondale, is there anything that like you feel like they're kind of known for the culture of it, or maybe something uh, I know right now, times are ridiculous because of (laughs) COVID-19, right? It's like the craziest time, but you know, uh, there's going to be a time where COVID-19 is not, well, you know what? I think this would be an interesting uh, thing to know. Maybe come May fifteenth. What do you okay. see? What do you see happening around the mid-May? Do you see things opening up more, or what do you see?
2: So, so I never speak for the governor, but I will tell you that my opinion is that I think you're going to see a slow reopening um, over the next ten days. I think you saw it yesterday with his announcement on the hospitals. My wife works at a um, a local hospital. And they had done a lot of layoffs. Fortunately, she was not one of the people that was furloughed. They did a lot of layoffs company wide. And, you know, it's hard when you don't know what's going to happen. So, with COVID, no one knew what was going to happen. We heard the worst case scenarios and the worst case stories, and we reacted accordingly. I think that what you're seeing around the country is, you know, a relaxing of some of those rules. And I think Governor Ducey is going to follow that. I think what you'll see is you'll see a. An opening up of restaurants and health clubs and things along that line. I think you'll see social distancing still part of that that changeover. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a requirement to wear masks in public. Wow. I, honestly, I, I, I think we're ready. It's been, I, I've been working from home now for a month. Uh, there are people who have been furloughed for three weeks, maybe a month. They want to go back to work, and I think the governor understands that and realizes that. I know the mayors do. And I think you'll see a slow opening of that. I think by May 15th, you'll see as much normalcy as you can have after COVID. There'll still be some restrictions, but I think it all depends on what happens with the cases and what happens with um, our responses to it. But I, I, I think you'll see a relaxing of the restrictions right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there, you know, and there should be a relaxing of it. And obviously, we want to do things in phases too, right? That's the whole idea is kind of, you know, people who are still at high risk obviously stay home and, you know, keep distancing and all that. But it would be nice to start to see kind of like businesses starting to return. I haven't had a haircut in over a month, and I'm really itching to get my haircut again, you know?
2: (laughs) No, isn't it amazing? Honestly, it's amazing what um, we take for granted. It's being able to go out and just grab a meal or go get a haircut or go to the gym and, you know, the, the upside of this is there is an upside. Uh, people are saving more money. You know, oh, that's true, They're not going, out, they're yeah. not going out doing those things, but I think what you're going to see, it's going to be like a flower blooming in spring. Those restrictions are going to be lifted and people are going to go out into the sunlight and, look up and, and be
0: ready to go oh yeah definitely i um and i can't wait so especially like once this is a several months behind us too because you know arizona i f- especially feel like is a very you know we have a very business focused governor we have you know we're a very business focused growing thriving you know city and state with you know if you look at phoenix you know maricopa as a whole too and so it's it would be nice to kind of get back on track i
2: i agree i mean what are you guys i mean can i ask how old you guys are
0: yeah, we're actually both 28. Yeah, we're
1: both uh, 28 years old. We're both uh, uh, from Peoria. Uh, we both went to Peoria High School. Yep.
2: Okay, so you guys are both Panthers. We won't hold that against you. Okay. Ah, um,
1: yes, so he loved,
0: knows. We
2: loved, we loved, we loved, I, my wife and I lived in Peoria. We used to live um, on Mountain View, and then we lived oh. uh, right beside Liberty Buick when we first got married. So, nice. You know, I love Peoria. Um, uh, Mary, Mary Charlotte from Peoria is a great woman. But I, I, what do you guys see? I mean, you guys, you guys are working your jobs and you're doing this. And what are you guys seeing out there? What are your friends telling you? What do they expect when this is all said and done?
1: You know, uh, interestingly enough, you said your uh, wife works at a hospital. So uh, I actually am a uh, cardiovascular ICU nurse. And uh, this is Anthony speaking, by the way. And okay. uh, and so, you know, with me working in the healthcare system, Eric being in uh, education, we kind of have two different perspectives. You know, it's funny because at the hospital, we're getting we're getting updates every single day, whether that be through the CDC or, uh, you know, just the hospital system that I work for. I do, I do predict that by maybe not May 1st, I think May 1st some things will open, um, but I do think May 15th, mid-May, things will start getting a little bit more uh, free. But, I, but what I do worry about personally, I do think that there might be a, a resurgence of, uh, of COVID once we do open up things. I don't think it'll be that bad. I think what we did was, was necessary absolutely necessary because it slowed this disease spreading and we didn't want hospitals to get overloaded and you know, and, and thankfully we did, you know, honestly hospitals, I feel like are the slowest now, uh, for, for the most part, for the majority than they've been in ever, you know, or years at least. I don't, I don't know if you've heard that as mayor, but, uh, I know at the hospital I'm at, that's what I'm, I'm seeing. Go ahead.
2: My wife's a NICU nurse. She does. She actually does developmental care for the hospital. So she is, you know, the NICU, um, she doesn't go into a lot of details, but the hospital, the the chain laying people off, it tells you that they can't service the public like they want to. So elective surgery is gone by by the wayside. And and, and again, I, I, I think it's, I think you're right. We had to do, we had to prepare for what we didn't know was coming. And my wife and I would get into these discussions and she'd say, Ken, you're not understanding that if the hospitals get overwhelmed, then that's our last line of defense. So we can't let that happen. And I think you're right. I think the resurgence that people are anticipating in fall won't be as bad as oh, maybe absolutely. we think. I also think guys, you're going to have education that you didn't have before. You're going to have, um, you're going to have the summer months for the government and for healthcare to go in and really take a look at who was infected, how many were infected, how serious were those infections. And come up with a better game plan than we did over February, March, and April.
1: Oh, yeah, this is going to be a huge learning point. And, uh, you know, and I'm honestly, I will say, as a healthcare worker, I'm glad that they're going to start reopening things as well. Because at the same token, you know, if we are keeping things closed, people are losing their jobs. You know, people are, you know, when you lose your job, then you uh, can't pay your bills. When you can't pay your bills, all of a sudden it can get to a point where you're not feeding your family. Uh, So. It's a real, real concern. Uh, You know, I think a lot of the very fortunate people don't take that very seriously. Uh, I think that's why there's already protests already. I think there was a protest actually yesterday here
0: in Phoenix. Yeah, Um, there was a protest at the Capitol, I think, yesterday.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, so I I am glad that people are recognizing that it is important that we get back in there. But I do think, I'm, I'm glad, like what you said, you know, maybe wear masks and stuff. I think people should just be more aware that this is still present, but yeah, we do need to get back, people need to get back into work, you know, we don't, we don't want this to destroy our country.
2: No, and I agree, I think you bring up the protesters, and I think there is a, and obviously some of the, some of the people that were out there, there was a lot of ugly comments that were thrown around, and a lot of things that I would never ever want said to my family, my wife, my daughters, or anybody. I think what you're seeing is, I think you're seeing a frustration with people, because They they don't know what the next step is they They're they're not sure What to do next and They're scared Yeah, you know fear is a very powerful thing and people are afraid right now They were afraid before but they're more afraid now because they don't know when they can get out when they can go back to work When things are gonna open up. That's scary
0: big time, like a great example. So I usually get my hair cut um, at Sports Clips. It's right next to my house. And I was in there actually as, as things were starting to shut down. And the, the woman who actually was cutting my hair, she was like, I think this is the last week we're going to be open for several months. And I'm actually terrified because uh, Sports Clips has already told us that, you know, we're just going to, they're going to lay us off so that maybe we could get some unemployment or something, but I'm, I'm going to be out of a job for maybe two months. And it's like, wow, that's a real reality for somebody. Now, obviously, there's two sides to every coin, right? So if we have to do it to save lives, I I do understand that. And there are things such as the stimulus checks that went out and all that. Um, But it is, I mean, that's the harsh reality for a lot of people. I'm super fortunate. I work in education. I'm actually the dean of students at the high school that I work for. And I still have a job. And not only do I have a job, I just found out that our um, president and founder of our company, is giving everyone an extra little $200 bonus check, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm super blessed, super fortunate for those things, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are really hurting you know, just economically and financially speaking, you know. Um,
2: Well, they are, and it's you know, you you see, you talk about mayors and governors, and I think what you see is, I think you see different states across the nation handling this much differently, and I will tell you that I, I think that the stay-at-home rules for Arizona were actually pretty good. There were some parts of it that were confusing to me that I didn't understand why one company was open and why another one is not allowed to be open.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But I think what you see in some areas of the country is I think you see an overreach of government in a crisis like this. And I don't want to be critical of other mayors, and I definitely don't want to be critical of governors because they have a task that I would never want to have. But I think you look at some of the, some of the executive orders that happened back East where, you know, you could go to home Depot, but you couldn't buy this product or that product. Or, you know, you couldn't go to church in your car because of whatever reason. I think people see that overreach by government and that scares them also.
0: It terrifies me.
2: It, it does. <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we, we Easter and Palm Sunday, we have a friend who is a pastor in New York and is a dear friend of ours. And we were watching his sermons online, and I would have much rather have been in my local church with friends, and the fact that that was stopped is, is scary. I understand why it was stopped, but that's, that, that's frightening to a lot of people, and I think that's where those protests come from. And again, some of the ugliness that, was, that were in those protests and some of the comments I would never condone, I would never support, and if you ever said that to my wife or my daughters, you and I would have a problem.
0: Yeah. No, I think you bring up a very good point, and it's also very important to point out that it's not to diminish why that decision was made, but you cannot deny the fact that it is scary, right? It's scary to hear that we can't do this or we can't go out or that you're going to be fined potentially. There's counties or there's cities around this country that are fining people $1,000 for not wearing a mask or for going for a walk. And I'm kind of like, wait, what kind of, you know, is this animal farm, George Orwell, you know, like, or whatever. You know, it's like, it's a little scary.
2: No, you're you're exactly right. So, you know, let's see what happens after May. And again, again I think we'll have a much better grasp on this as we go into fall and we see what happens with this resurgence.
1: No, and it's it's glad, I I really do, uh, I I thank you, uh, uh, Mayor Wise, because honestly, there's a lot of people in the government that that are kind of overstepping their bounds, I feel like, and it's good to hear that, you know, you're in the community and you're in our corner, um, I know like even just the, the Michigan governor, uh, I believe her name was Whitmer. Uh, she was talking about, she was closing down certain sections of stores that were viewed non-essential and one of the, I mean, she got a lot of backlash naturally because of this, one of those uh, areas in the Walmart was the baby section and yeah, it was viewed as non-essential. And so all of a sudden, you know, if you've had, if you had a baby at that time, You know, you can't buy a stroller at Walmart. You know, you can't do all these things. And uh, I'm just so glad to hear that. And I felt like a lot of media today, too, is really inspiring a lot of fear and uh, one of our goals here at Just a Couple Dudes was like, you know what, I feel like we have good people, actually, in our government that are standing up for us. We're just not hearing their voice. And so that's why we went to the mayors and stuff, because now I've only been on the phone with you for, you know, maybe 20 minutes. And I'm saying that you're really in our corner, and I do appreciate that. And uh, I wanted to let you know that some of us are recognizing it, but we want to get your voice out there.
2: No, I, I, and I appreciate that. And I think when you talk about the media – there is I think the media has changed. now I'm fifty four and I can remember growing up, and you had three channels that you watched every night and everyone watched the news. and for the most part, the news was the news. It was neutral. It didn't really take a stand either way. it just reported. I think what you've seen for the sake of ratings and the sake of dollars is that there are no more journalists. They're all opinion people. they that's what they get paid to do. And the more outlandish, the story, the more outlandish the attack, the better off it is. And I think that that doesn't serve the American public well at all. It scares people. And I think you're right when you say um, they, they're they frightening people. And sensationalism sells. So if we can, it, you know, in this whole COVID thing, you haven't really heard how many people have recovered.
0: No, that's you- not the story. It's all the numbers or the, it's not actually, they try to even avoid some of the numbers, I think, because the numbers aren't really getting to where they had uh, first predicted, but it's the projections, right? The projections are so scary.
2: right but you don't you don't hear about the recovery, you don't hear about all the people who have recovered. you, you hear about the worst case scenarios in Italy and France and Spain. but there's not a lot of in-depth reporting on why that might be happening. So we based a lot of our uh, reactions to what was happening in Italy and France and Spain in Iran, and said, oh my gosh, that's coming here, without a lot of research into why that was happening. And if that research was done, guys, it wasn't shared with the American public. So no. And hopefully, you- hopefully we learn from this.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even to add to that, you know, is if, if, you, if you think about it, you know, there's a lot of people that never got tested because maybe their symptoms weren't so severe. They were actually getting ordered by their doctors and everything to, hey, you know what, if, you're, if your symptoms aren't that bad, then don't come in. There's no need to waste, you know, a test for you to come in, you know, and you take up space in the emergency room. So if you think about that, then the, even the death rate ratio is even a little bit artificially inflated. Because I will say that, you know, there's people that have been, you know, that have probably gotten this virus, but they were told by their doctors, you know, through telemedicine, you know, just stay home. If if things get worse, then, of course, come in. But, you know, when those people stay home and then they get better, you know, those people, they're not diagnosed with COVID-19, even though they did get it, you know. Uh, And then so then these numbers come out that it's like, oh, if you get it, there's this. uh, I think they're talking. Is it? 3% 3% chance or I think it's 3%, yeah. 3% chance that you'll uh, that you'll die from it. And it's like yes, it is a scary thing. I'm not denying that. But those numbers are artificially inflated if you think about it when not everyone that gets it is coming in.
2: Well, you know, you, there was a study that came out either yesterday or today. There's was actually two and one of them was from Stanford and one of those was from USC and it was the uh, testing that was done, the random testing that was done, and the numbers of people who had the antibodies in their system were, I think, 40 to 50 times what the predictions would be, which tells you that if you look at the people who had COVID, who were asymptomatic, and you you put in the real numbers, what does that death rate look like? And again, everyone who has passed away from this, it's heartbreaking, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, you, have, uh, you when you look at um, the elderly and the people with underlying conditions, and COVID was just the thing that was the final straw. Yep. And that, and, and that's horrible for that. I think though that we really need to look at it and say, okay, we, as we move forward, what does testing look like? What are the real numbers, and how does this compare to seasonal flu or other things that we're uh, exposed to? So.
0: Oh, most definitely. And I think one of the biggest numbers I like to bring up to a lot of people is that in 2018 alone in the United States, 80,000, roughly 80,000, I think just over 80,000 people died from cold and flu, um, which is big numbers, but, um, you know, we didn't see this kind of a reaction from it. And again, it's not to downplay everyone who has lost somebody to COVID or have been affected by COVID. It's heartbreaking. It's horrible. You know, I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm okay with distancing myself. I'm okay with trying to stay home because, because it is, you know, it's scary for a lot of people. And there are a lot of people who can be very severely affected by this. So, you know, we don't want to, and I know you don't either. We don't want to downplay it. And it's not like we're downplaying it, but you do need to talk reality, right? We do need to discuss our everyday lives, the state of our cities, the state of our state and our country as a whole. And so I guess to look at some of the positive though, you know, we're all at home, we're working from home and, you know, we can't go out and all this crazy stuff. But for me personally, I know I can probably speak for Anthony as well. My co-host is that this has been a really good time for reflection you know i work 50 60 hours a week i try to go to the gym i try to do this i'm trying to do a million things and i think everyone else is doing that too you mentioned you work a crazy job and you're the mayor right and i think this is a beautiful time for us to really sit back reflect have a period to just kind of almost like meditate on where we want our lives to go and hopefully on the other side of this a lot of people come out of COVID with a new sense of reality of how they really want to live their lives, you know?
2: No, you say that, and you're exactly right. It's, it's so funny. So I, I've been working from home now for a month for, for my day job, and my wife goes to work at the hospital every day. So for the last month or in the week, I've been making her coffee and packing her lunch and uh, <laughs> making sure she's all set to go. And then she comes home from work and we have dinner together and we sit down and we talk and we'll play words with friends or we'll watch TV or we'll, but it's that time together where before I was leaving my office at five o'clock. I wouldn't get home till six. We'd eat really fast or go somewhere and eat. And then we'd come home and really not talk that much to each other. Cause we're just so tired from our days and trying to catch up on the day. Now we have time to kind of just sit and talk and, um, it, 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 it's it's been really enjoyable that part of this whole crisis being able to spend more time with my wife and but also you know waking up in the morning and the weather's nice and going outside and and I usually get up about 5 530 so I go sit outside I have a cup of coffee and not having to get ready for work jump in the car and fight traffic has been a blessing it's been you're right it, it, I would tell you that my stress level, besides the crisis and the mayor part of it is lower now because I'm not fighting traffic every day. I'm not going back and forth, and uh, I'm not having to deal with that. So uh, I think you're right. I think there is a time for meditation, and I think you you see people who are gonna come back out of this, and they are gonna reflect on their lives and say, okay, what can I continue doing? What do I need to change?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, we, like I said from the beginning, our goal of this podcast was so people could listen to this and it'd be more positive and they feel more encouraged than they were today than they were yesterday and or, or learn different things that they didn't know the day before. And uh, one of the things before anything was quarantined in the whole state of, uh, or in the whole nation of the U.S. is we said, you know what, we've always tell ourselves, you know, there's just not enough time in the week. I just don't have enough time in the day. It's like, well, there's about to be a time, uh, we predicted this, you know, before we were quarantined, Where you're going to have a lot more time. Take advantage of that, you know. Spend more time with your family. Maybe you haven't read a book in a year or two or longer. Maybe it's been 10 years. Read a book, you know. And I really hope that this gives us as a nation, really as a world, you know, the whole uh, everyone across the earth. A new perspective that, you know, success, we've been, we've been viewing success in a different way lately. Uh And it's like, you know what, spending being happy with your family, uh, you know, calling up an old friend that, that is a success. Being happy with your life, Mm. you know, it's not all about just making a paycheck, you know, uh, you know, inventing new things or just, no, it's enjoying life and benefiting other people. And and as crazy as it sounds that this is a terrible, terrible thing, I think some some good can come from this.
2: Well, I think there's always the good that comes from a crisis. And I, and I think that you're right. There is tragedy. We're going to be evaluating the tragedies that have happened for many years to come and the people who have lost and the people who are going to be currently affected by um, what has happened with covid but I will also tell you, there's there's going to be a, a rainbow at the end of this. And it's going to be people who are, who've rediscovered themselves again and, and rediscovered the love that they've had for family. I, I have two daughters, um, Delaney, who texted me and said, don't screw up on this podcast uh, is my 23 year old and my 25 <laughs> year old Lauren lives with Delaney in El Mirage. And um, Lauren moved out of the house probably about a month ago, moved in with Delaney from our house. And Saturday, Lord and I hopped in the car, and we drove to Wickenburg.
0: Oh, and nice. And
2: we we drove, and it was beautiful, and the, everything was in bloom, and the wildflowers were out there. We stopped and had a cup of coffee, and we walked around Wickenburg, and it was amazing. And, and we just talked, and on the way back, we talked some more. And we would have never had that chance. We wouldn't have done that, because both our lives would have been so incredibly busy by going and doing that that's where people are going to reconnect with themselves, their family and hopefully with, with uh, their neighbors
0: big time. And I think people are also going to figure out uh, professionally, is this what I want to do? You know, those people who, who are just, you know, they're slaves to work and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they have a job that they've been doing for a while now that they didn't really realize consumed their whole life until now. And they've kind of realized like, you know what? I have a different means. I can do this. I can do that. Um, And I think it it could be good for the family unit. One thing I've always been a huge fan of is the family unit, right? How do you build a strong nation? How do you build a strong state, a strong city? It's at the family level, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. where you learn things. Your parents teach you. Schools can teach you, but, you know, I work in education. I know schools can teach you, but you learn from the people who raise you too. And so, you know, this could be good for families, you know, building those connections again, kind of getting back to that root and I'm, I really hope that coming out of this, we can kind of keep that, we don't forget, you know?
2: Well, you know, you talk about you know, people looking at their jobs, let's look at the millions of people who are furloughed. And I think you're right, there is a good percentage of those people who are gonna look at their careers and say, okay, the worst case happened to me, I was furloughed, I, I lost my job, whether permanently or temporarily. Do I now want to go and take the risk of doing something that I really love? Do I really want to go out there and do it and, and follow a dream? And I think a lot of people are going to say yes. The, the company that I work for, Illumination, the owner of the company just turned 39. And in 2009, he was working uh, for a company and the economic crisis hit and he was let go. And he came home and told his wife. And he'd always wanted to start this company. He'd actually done his uh, master's project, his master's degree project on, on, the, on this company that he started. And his wife said, why don't you just go do relumination? illumination And he said, what are you talking about? And she's like, now's the time to do it. There's an opportunity here. Yeah, it's lousy that you lost your job, but here's an opportunity. And he started this company out of his garage. And 10 years later, he services 32 states, 34 states, Mm -hmm. and he would have never had that opportunity if the crisis had happened. And I'm not saying the crisis was a good thing by any means. I'm just telling you I think you're right. It gives people a chance to reevaluate their life. And find out what they really want to do with the rest of it.
1: No, yeah, life is all about yin and yang. There's a there's a negative and there's a scary part to it, but sometimes it inspires. You know, it's you know even with forest fires, you know, it it can be. That's why we will sometimes do you know purposefully do burns so that way there's not a massive you know forest fire and it encourages growth. You know, because all these nutrients go back into the soil and the same thing can happen in a terrible time like this. You know, it is still terrible. And like I said, I'm I work in the ICU setting. So I have personally seen people die from COVID-19. But I also want to help encourage, you know, spread the message that, guys, there this can be good if you choose for it to be good. You know, recognize that you are this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And right. um, even even though it is terrible and is terrible for a lot of people. You know, I, I just, I want the best for, for many people and uh, this is a good time for it.
2: Uh, and, and I would agree, there's always something like this, there's a renewal and I think your, you know, your example of the forest fire is, is exactly right. It, it provides nutrients, it helps clear away um, some of the underbrush that was dangerous to the trees. And I think that's what, when you look at, and anytime you try and put an analogy or a metaphor to COVID or to a crisis, Sometimes it can sound harsh, but I think for some people it's going to be a renewal on what they do and what they look at and where they want to
1: be. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: It definitely is. And like I keep saying, you know, I feel – not feel bad, but I guess I do for people like you, mayors, the governors, city officials, because, you know, when things were closing down – all I heard was the negative. It's not closing fast enough. I don't know why they deem this essential, not that. Right. I mean, even we were kind of poking into that. But now that it's been closed for a while, you're hearing the exact opposite. We need to do this, we need to do that. People like you know, someone like yourself who's in charge of a city working with a city council, you know, you must just get bombarded with people who have all sorts of ideas. But when you're thinking of it from a citizen like me my point of view i can only look from through my eyes right you have to consider businesses you have to consider people you have to consider everything and i do just want to say you know i just want to congratulate and just thank you and all the other mayors and the, even the governor and everyone because it's like i cannot i would not want that job you know <laughs> i just don't want it like i can't imagine what's going through your mind when when corona and covid rolls out and you're thinking like Am I going to have to tell most businesses in my city shut down?
2: I, I, I will tell you that that actually, had to ha- that actually happened. Um, when when COVID was happening and it was starting out, and I would be on the phone with my city manager at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, I'd be on the phone with my council members saying, okay, guys, this is going to be the next step. And honestly, cities are restricted a lot of what they can do because the governor sets that tone. The governor is the one who does executive orders. By law, we have to follow those executive orders. But I can give you I can give you a perfect example of uh, of something that impacted. And it's it's the American Legion in Avondale. And almost every city has an American Legion or or some kind of uh, veterans organization. And there's a gentleman there, his name is Ron Ross. And Ron uh, Ron's a veteran. He grew up in Avondale. He's probably I would if I had to guess, Ron's in his late sixties, early seventies. But he runs the American Legion. And for those of you who don't know what the Legion's all about, it really is a place where veterans can go and they meet their friends. It's a support system. Uh, they can go and have a beer. They can play games. They can grab food. But in a lot of cases, those veterans, it's the only family they have, and they mm. go every day. And Brian called me and he said, am I going to have to shut down the American Legion? And I said, you know what? I asked the governor that, I asked the governor's representative, and they said, it's a private club, and at this point, we don't have to, and we kept the American Legion open for as long as we could, and it wasn't only until the March 30th executive order, where it was the stay-at-home, that we had to close them down, and Mm. it was heartbreaking, because a lot of those veterans, guys, they they don't have anywhere else to go. They'll sit in their house or their apartment or their condo by themselves 24-7, and that, that's the impact of this. It's the, it's the small business that can't open up, it's the healthcare worker, it's the people who are furloughed, but there are people behind the scenes who we don't always think of who are suffering as much if not more than, than we are. And that's the hard decisions that elected officials have to make.
0: Oh, I, I can't even imagine that. I mean, because you think about COVID, it's a pandemic, right? And just like you mentioned, these veterans, it's the last place they have to go. Well, you know what? There's um, Suicide is one of the top killers in this country. And suicide and depression is killing thousands upon thousands. I mean, that should be a pandemic, right? I mean, the numbers are just, they're just insane when you look at them. And so that weight of a decision to stop something that provides such a good, positive thing for a group of people who are very susceptible to suicide and depression. I mean, the, the weight and stress of that. And again, that's why I just wanted to thank you and commend you for, for you and everyone who has to make those kinds of decisions. Cause I, I cannot believe, you know, how difficult they may be to make. And on top of that, when people are really pressuring their city officials or their state officials they're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about the Legion. You know, they're not thinking about those things.
2: They're not. They are. You know, it, it, people, and it's it's just it's human nature. A lot of times, um, we we think about we think about the worst case scenario. So you do, especially when we didn't know a lot about how this disease spread. We knew when human to human, we didn't know how um, how quickly it spread or or um, who was more susceptible. But people people in a lot of ways, they want to protect their neighbors. They want to protect their families. So the initial thing is, listen, we're going to listen to the government. They're going to tell us to do this. We're going to follow that and everything is going to be okay. And I will tell you that social distancing, in my opinion, made a huge difference in this. But I also think that it's also hard for people to change course, that they, they look at that and they say, okay, this works. We should keep on doing it because if we keep on doing it it will, it, it will get much, much better or we'll find a cure. Well, the truth is, is at some point, And this is what we're grasping with or uh, grappling with in Avondale right now is we need to start opening up our businesses. And we talked earlier about face masks and social distancing in restaurants. I have friends at the Wigwam, 300 people who got furloughed and friends that I've worked with for four years who are going to struggle through this furlough. And it's not the Wigwam's fault. They were, they had to shut down. And... How do, you, how do you get those people back to work? How do you open up this government or this, uh, this society again and get businesses going? And I think it's going to be, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be a, probably a 60 to a six-month process. So 60 days to 180 days mm-hmm. of getting rolled up again and businesses getting back to full steam. And my hope is it's sooner than later.
1: Well, Mayor Wise, I just wanted to say that you know, you know, we've said like the goals of the podcast and stuff like that, and you said you'd never done a pod- podcast. Well, you are the first mayor that we've talked to. You know, we we currently have other mayors that we're gonna that we have booked, uh, but that's gonna be in the next week or so. Um, but what I wanted to say was that just within our name, just a couple dudes, we wanted to point out that this was not your typical interview. This was a conversation. We wanted people to get to know, like, hey, there are people. Out in our government that are on your side, and not everyone is trying to inspire fear. Not everyone is wanting to to hurt you, and they're not just trying to get rich off being in the government. And uh, I just want to say uh, I'm so thankful that you joined the episode because we can tell that you're a good person, and uh, and so I'm glad that we got to we got to meet you today,
2: guys. I'm glad I got to meet you too. And again, it's it's, it's honestly it's what we should do. Government should be should be hope. It shouldn't be fear. Government should be results, and it shouldn't be excuses, and uh, I think you'll enjoy talking with the other mayors as you get them on their their program, and uh, guys, my first podcast, I'm proud to say that it was with you guys.
0: Oh, that's amazing, man, and like I said, we're just a couple dudes, you're definitely one of the dudes, you're a friend of the show, (laughs) and at least right now, you're uh, Jack's favorite mayor. Well,
2: hold on, you've got got, got to interview uh, Mayor Carlet, and hopefully you guys will interview her, but... Um, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll convince you to be more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. But, oh, uh, I
0: know. Up. Well, hey, I'll, you know what I'll tell you? Christopher <laughs> Pine was a great Captain Kirk, I thought.
2: <laughs> he, you know, he was. He, I, get this, I get this question all the time. So what's your favorite Star Trek? And for me, it was Star Trek Enterprise, the, the show with Scott oh, Bakula.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but I started watching Discovery. Uh, I'm happy with Discovery. I'm not incredibly happy with the card on CBS. But uh, I'll work through it. So, yeah. Guys, ch- anything else for me?
0: Um, yeah, you know what? I would like to say um, one thing to you, or have you actually, what, what would your message be to, I'm going to say young people, people, generation, your daughters. You said you have a you know, 25-year-old daughter and one, another one in your 20s, correct? And well, um, you. what's your advice to the generation that is below you and, and them coming up into the working world or, you know, just, just your advice to them?
2: It's advice. I got this question um, a few months ago. I have a friend who is a high school teacher in Goodyear. His name is Jason Kish, and Jason actually taught my daughters at Our Freya, and they were, he was probably their favorite teacher, and him and I established a relationship many years ago, and um, he's a really good guy. But he invited me to his class to speak on career day, and the advice that I gave them is, is pretty simple. Don't accept what people tell you as the truth. Go and and find, go out and find your own truth. Go out and and research and and get all sides of the story. Because we talk about, you know, this conversation has been today a lot about COVID, but it's also been people's reactions to COVID and how we come out of it. My 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 relation to that is is that we need to go out and find both sides of the story, both sides of the argument, and what makes sense because uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I, I think uh, when, I, when I look at my daughters who are 23 and 25, their, their circle of friends is pretty small, and they, they form their opinions based on what their friends talk about and what they see in the media. And I would tell your the people that are going to listen to this podcast, man, I- expand that horizon. Go 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 listen to things and go watch things. Um, for information that makes you feel uncomfortable and that perspective and my wife and I talk about this all the time. I think you could tell that um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty Republican leaning guy mm-hmm. um, and I, we watch Fox News, but I also watch CNN and I also uh, go on to uh, Facebook and I also go on to the Web and YouTube and look at differing opinions because I want to have a well-rounded, well-informed opinion. And I, I think we've gotten to a point in society where we judge people on who they voted for in the last election, um, who they support for office, and that's how we judge their character. And just think about that. Think about how myopic that view is.
0: Oh, yeah. And,
2: and we should judge people by... Um, their character and, and and what they do to help their family and friends, what kind of person they are. Forget about their looks. Forget about their education. Forget about how much money they make. Forget about their body style. It should be all about the character of their heart um, and how they treat their fellow human being. And if 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 your generation and my daughter's generation can do that and fix the mistakes that my generation did, man, we'll have a utopia before we know it.
0: Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I surely do hope so. I actually was just talking about that with uh, my girlfriend just the other week. I was like, you know, I think, you know, my parents have taught me so many things growing up and I'm so, and there's. We have access to podcasts and books and um, all sorts of information from people from the generation before me, kind of outlying all these mistakes they made, right? Whether it be financial mistakes, all sorts of different mistakes. And I'm like, I don't want to wait till I'm in my 40s to have to rewrite some of my life, right? I can start doing that now.
2: Well, <laughs> no, no. No, you. I, I. I. When my daughters were growing up, and both my daughters are very successful. Um, women there and by success I don't mean they make a lot of money but they're happy with their lives they, they, both, they both have their college degrees Beautiful. they, they enjoy what they do um, they're not surviving life they're thriving in their life and that's the hope of every parent but I always told them when they were girls life is a journey and it depends on the path that you take and the decisions that you make in your younger years will determine whether or not that path gets narrowed or whether it gets widened and I always told them when you're in your 40s 50s and 60s you want that path to be as wide as it possibly can yeah. and and if and if and I think they've learned that I think they've they understand what that is and I, I think that's the key to success in life is how wide can you make that path so you can enjoy life and not regret the mistakes that you made when you were younger
0: oh yeah, that's beautiful that's such good advice I really appreciate that in fact i think it's a
1: great a great point to end we so uh honestly mayor wise this was awesome this was a uh, you know and not to say this as a jab but this was better than i expected we didn't know what to expect and uh i'm so glad that i got to know you and know what you stand for and just know who you are as a person
2: hey guys i appreciate that and i would tell your listeners that um if they haven't been to avondale for a while come and see what we're doing in avondale there's great restaurants when we open back up there's great restaurants and there's great venues there's great hiking there's just a lot of things to do here come and explore and you guys can always reach out to me on facebook and we can connect that way
0: awesome that's so great i think we definitely made a friend of the show today yeah you
2: did guys god bless you guys
0: all right thank you very much we really appreciate it
2: all right take care take care
0: have a good one